I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and with my co-host and boyfriend, Sean Tedro, we will be winding back the reels to 1997. A year after running over a fisherman and dumping his body in the water, four friends reconvene when Julie receives a frightening letter telling her that their crime was seen in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Let's get into it. So the boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help and the girl stays in the car and she hears this... Like scratching sound. No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. Oh my god. I think he's dead. We can't just leave him here. Oh, tell me, little Miss Prelaw, what's the charge for manslaughter? We make a pact. Right here and now we take the Sar grave. For the last year, four friends have kept a secret. Are you on drugs? No. Well, then what is wrong? I've had a rough year. But not all secrets stay buried. Somebody sent this to me. Oh, my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. What they thought would be a new beginning. Toast to us. Is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If he wanted me dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my God. He's after me, too. I got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Ah! Julie gets a body in a trunk, and you get a letter? That's balanced. He's waiting for us to unravel. The wait is over. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? summer spread the word you dirty cocksuckers tell all your grave robbing friends i want them out of the city the nightmare of insane murder from the depths of hell Happy 4th of July, Leah. Happy 4th of July, Sean. Or at least that's when you guys will be seeing and hearing this. For us, 
it is the day after Christmas. <laughs> full disclaimer, today is our first full day with our new kitten. Yes, uh, for Christmas I decided that it was time to get Leah a kitten. Yes. And she has been somewhat of a little terror the past day and a half. <laughs> She's a kitten. Um, so if you hear or rolling balls or, you know, things being attacked or hear us go, whoa, she has done something. We will do our best to stay <laughs> on track. Yeah, she's, but... she's still very little. She's like six months. She's still a kitten. So maybe she'll tire herself out and ignore us. <laughs> but if we plan to continue this podcast, it's something we're going to have to live with. Yes. Also, yes, we realize that uh, the last time we mentioned Christmas was about close to 10 episodes prior to this yeah we decided to do this one kind of completely out of order from what we've been doing because we realized that we had the lineup kind of planned up until around the 4th of July and we were like oh the perfect movie would have been one we already picked for an earlier date yeah so we shifted things around a little bit and decided to do this one early yeah so Don't take out the cameras, little one. <laughs> oh, man. I, he will cry. I will die. <laughs> I will just... <laughs> All right. So, today, we decided to... That for 4th of July, we wanted to talk about... I know what you did last summer. Why did you pick this one? Because this one was your choice. It was. This one is my choice. So, full disclaimer, number one, it was the first one I saw on the shelf. That is horror that I know from when I was an early tween. This movie came out 97 and I was about 12, 13. So I was on the cusp of a teenager. So to me, it was like, I saw this movie in theaters. I'm badass. Are you badass for seeing this in theaters, Leah? Are you? No. I wish I could have seen this in theaters. I mean, you're at that time in 97, you would have been like nine. No, eight. You would have been eight. So like, this was, this is a tough one for a kid to watch. Who am I fucking talking about? Also, I asked his parents about watching movies when he was three, horror movies when he was three. And the both of them in unison on Christmas Day, I was like, you two. He was watching horror movies at three. They went, yup, with that face. Your mom's face was, yup. <laughs> and then they give him new horror shirts for Christmas. <laughs> oh, yes. So I wasn't getting anywhere with any fight. It was just like, all right, well, uh, you guys knew what you were doing as parents. Fine. Anyway, they did. I haven't killed anybody. Yet. Yeah. And the other reason why I picked this one is this one stands out in my mind a certain way. It has always stood out a certain way. Watching this, my opinion about this movie flipped. In a good or a bad way? In a bad way. Not like the I hate this or something. Just the way I viewed it at 12 years old and or 12, 13 years old. And the way I'm viewing it now completely different as an adult so i mean stay on 
Yes. Target. So throughout this entire episode, we're probably going to be distracted because the cat is running around like a madman. She's got the zoomies. And you know, anybody who has a cat, a cat get the zoomies. That burst of energy that lasts for, I don't know, six hours. She's got that right now and everything's a fucking toy. Even our legs. So. Oh, shit. Yeah, I got to back this up in case she like attacks my foot again, but it's fine. So we both have fun facts about this movie. Yes. Yes, because um, you know more about this movie because you're like more of a horror fan. I literally just looked some of these up right now. Yes, but before we get too ahead of ourselves yes. here, um, as we said, this is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yep. Um, it was directed by Jim Gillespie um, off of a screenplay by Kevin Williamson. Now, Kevin Williamson, for those horror fans who don't know... Uh, is the guy who brought us Scream. Um, oh, I get one of the facts now. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, this is one of those movies that came in the wake of Scream. So yes. that full-blown 90s slasher revival. This is one of the first ones that followed Scream, and it it basically set the pace for all the other Valentine and all the other yeah. little movies that came after. My bloody Valentine. Ugh. Nope, different Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Different movie. Um, it, it was based on a novel by Lewis Duncan of the same name. In 1973. 1973, really? 19, yep, based on a book from 1973. Interesting. And there has since been a remake done in the form of a limited series. Yes, there was a re- it was in it was in remake hell for a long time for a movie and then they made the limited series which I've not heard of the limited series until I looked it up a, l- <laughs> a little while ago. Nope. Is she making an appearance? Get down. Ah. <laughs> uh, Jesus folks, we had she just head planted right into the pole of the camera. That camera probably shook. You have so much So for those actually <laughs> watching this podcast at home, I get to play with a laser pointer to keep this fucker distracted for a little while <laughs> while we do this. Oh, um, God. Anyway, where were we? Um, Let's see. Uh, so this movie was made on a budget of $17 million, and it grossed $125 million. 125.3. 125.3. I'm sorry, I missed .3. <laughs> so this movie was a phenomenal hit in the 90s. Yes, and I think, I honestly think it owes that to Scream. Yes. Like, if Scream hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. Because um, Kevin Williamson's name was shit com- before Scream. And then after Scream, now he's gold. A couple of my favorite facts about the cast from this is... Ryan Phillippe would not have been cast as the role of Barry if it was not for his girlfriend, then Reese Witherspoon. She recommended him to the casting director or the director, and that's how he got it. Interesting. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that he dated <clears throat> Reese Witherspoon. Uh, he was married to her for years, and they have two children. Wow. Yeah, from <laughs> Cruel Intentions. Oh, okay. Um, the other fun fact that everybody knows, but is my favorite fun fact, 
is Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar met on this movie, did not date until a few years later, but they met here. They were married in 2002. They have two children and they are still going strong to this day. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's one of those Hollywood romances that you don't think would happen. And, and it was one of those things where, like, he was with... Obviously, if you watch the movie, and we'll talk about it, his character, Ray, is with Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, Julie. And Ryan Philippine... Philip, Philippi? Philippi. Philippi. It's so hard to say his name, in my opinion. Uh, Barry is with Sarah Michelle Geller character... Oh, don't tell me. Helen. So it's yes. really kind of cool that they just... Whoop, and uh, yeah, I've I've always I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. I adore her, obviously, because I'm a huge Buffy fan. Huge Buffy fan. Yeah, I, that I think also like the casting of this movie. I'd like to actually take a a little bit of chunk of time here because I talk, think it, because this talk cast about is the phenomenal. Cast. This is so. Following Scream, Scream was a absolutely monumental success when it. Not right when it came out because they released it around Christmas, but like in the weeks that followed, it gained so much hype and uh, attraction that like this made the studios so much money that basically everyone in Hollywood wanted to be in a Kevin Williamson written movie. Yes. So like when this presented itself, they were they had their pick of the litter. They were able to take any popular names that they wanted at the time and put them into this movie so um that gives us we wound ended up with jennifer love hewitt sarah michelle, uh, sarah michelle geller ryan Phillippe, freddie prince jr with um small parts for uh brigitte wilson johnny galecki and um Anne hesh Anne, Anne hesh holy shit do you know what big name actress who is just coming up rejected a role for this movie? Melissa Joan Hart rejected a part in this movie. Don't know which one. I didn't Whoa. read too deeply, but she rejected it. Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Clarissa, Clarissa explains it all. Rejected this, and I Maybe honestly Helen. That would have been a similar casting. I don't know. I would. I could. I could see her in Jennifer's part. I really could. Yeah, Helen. Oh, Helen surprised me this time watching it. Because I will tell you this, I wanted a dude like Barry growing up, and I wanted to be Helen. Further down the line, I will tell you how I feel. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, another fun fact that I really did um, like about this movie that I read was the author of the book hates the movie. The, all, the book is completely yeah, different. From what I've heard, the book is completely different, and the remake actually follows the book closer. It does, which I kind of want to see. Now that I've read a little bit more, I was like, oh, I have no plan on this. And then reading that, I went, oh, now I kind of want to watch this. Yeah, I, I think the the series is something we should we should Revisit. visit. We should visit. visit. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. At some point down the line, because... Sorry. <laughs> I'm boom. I'm very interested to see what they did with it this time around. Mm, yeah. I All right. I'm going to go out and state now that I love this movie. I grew up with this movie in the 90s. Why would you have two copies? 
in pristine condition if you didn't love this movie. These I've are not <laughs> mine, by the way. These are his. I've seen it hundreds of times, and I'd never get sick of it. It's a... I grew up with 90s slashers. It's, it's amazing. We're going to disagree on this movie. Folks, this will be the first one. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, th- this this cast I think is what drew so much, so many people to this movie. Everybody mm. wanted to see Freddie Prince, who was like the heartthrob at the time. He was gaining traction. I mean, hot on his heels was probably Josh Harnett. Um, oh, James, I'm sorry, how I met your mother ruined his name. I have to remember his name, James Vanderbeek, James who Vanderbeek. unfortunately I've always thought of as James Vanderdouche, just because. <laughs> Your mother. Uh, oh God, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> hey, um, click <laughs> with the beer cans, but well, but you got to think, Freddie Prince at this around this time was he also had I think it was she's all that. Yep. And well, no, that was maybe the next year. Oh God, no, around this say, time, yeah, like within these few years. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to touch too much on that, but. No. Because that's in our wheelhouse. It is. I would like. Oh, I would like to touch on that because there is a remake called "He's All That Now." Oh, what the fuck! And I watched um, Katya and Trixie watch watch that one. It's uh, two queens love to watch, or it's a Netflix series. If anybody knows it, I watched Katya and somebody else touch on it. Oh my god. Uh, <gasps> yeah, it was. It was rough. unwarranted remakes. I mean, it's it's a sign of the time kind of remake, yeah. but it's not. Uh, we'll just let's move on. Let's just move on. Um, he had a couple other like big hits around this time, so like a lot of girls would flock to this movie to see him in it. Um, like you said, Sarah Michelle Gellar was big from Buffy. So, like, all the Buffy fans wanted to see this. Oh, my God. Everybody, like, Buffy was one of those movies growing up that I was just, like, not movie. I'm sorry, not movie. Series. Series. There is a Buffy movie. Don't do it. Buffy movie came first. Buffy movie is is weird. Um, What was some some other movies that he was in? Uh, Boys and Girls. That was a huge one from the early 2000s. Wing Commander. Oh, I'm not talking about this. I'm making you watch this. It's based on a video game. Yeah, I know this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I forgot about that I didn't that know one. he was in it, though. Yes, he is. Uh, the Year of Yes. That's another 90s one he was in. Uh, to Jillian on her 37th birthday. I haven't Sparkler. heard of a lot of Sparkler. Uh, Monkey Kings. He's in a lot from the early 90s. Or well, that, from the 90s. That was like his time. Yeah, he was, I mean, and he has aged very well. He's still he a good-looking he, dude. He's a good-looking dude. He's almost, he's 45 years old, which I think that's not too bad. Um, She's All That was 99. But I'm going to tell you right now, and Freddie, if you happen to see this ever or hear this. Yeah, okay. You can't act <laughs> worth shit. <laughs> I love you, man. I love I love your performances and things, but I don't believe a word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> I believed him in Scooby-Doo. You take that back. All right. You know what? I'll give you Scooby-Doo because you as Fred was perfect. <laughs> but in this, oh, 
I will say now. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is good. Sarah Michelle Gellar is very convincing. Yeah. And Ryan Phillippe is very convincing. Yeah. Freddie, I think there was a real there's a real reason why they were hesitant on casting him in this role. And it is a fact that they were. Yeah. I mean, he's a good actor. Don't get me wrong. But he's the boy next door. Not the boy next door that convinces everybody to kill a man. See, the thing in this one specifically, like, I especially noticed it when they're, like, talking about Billy Blue in front of him. Yes. And, like, you can see immediately it's like you're hiding something. Like, why aren't you telling them whatever you're hiding? Yeah, like, like you come are... come on, buddy. Maybe when <laughs> like... I was, like, a preteen, I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Like, but I didn't know any better. Exactly. I was too... And all the people that they're getting, they got to watch this movie back then, were my age group. Yeah. From, like, 12 to, like, 18. You don't know any better. At all. You're talking about four seniors in high school that are between the age of, what, sometimes 16 if you're advanced and you skip a couple grades to about 19 now that i'm 36 watching this i'm going y'all a bunch of losers what is wrong with you like i no, his acting was not no, convincing it's part. not not good and nothing against him no. this is just not the material that i think he can portray she's she's all that extremely convincing yeah you know what i liked him in that i love him in that and yeah Again, like, yeah, I'm not knocking him as an actor in total. In this, he's not convincing at all. Sometimes actors and actresses pick material that they're like, let me branch out. And they think, yeah, I can do this. But the audience is like, put it down. But, you know, I can't even completely blame him because the erect, the erector, yeah, the director, (laughs) um... The, the director saw his performance on camera and said, yeah, I'm good with that. No, like, if he's given off a performance that's even somewhat wooden, mm. you got to step in and be like, all right, I need I need better. Yeah. Like, that's your job. So I blame the director for letting it slide. Yeah. But let's get into the meat of why we're here talk about the movie where do we begin so my first jump off from this is and i realized that i was right about this jump off is the helicopter shots of the coastline of this town is beautiful nice winding coastline beautiful and i went i lived in north carolina this doesn't exist what are they showing us where does this movie take place this movie takes place in south southport southport north carolina it's okay. actually most of about 90% of this film is filmed in North Carolina. The scenes where they're going around the bends and where they dump and, and where they hit um, the killer or yeah, we know that this guy is going to go after him. Um, so I'm not spoiling anything at that point. Yeah. Um, but, and then the shots of the helicopter were filmed in California because, and I read that the, director thought the North Carolina coastline was too boring so for the one scene where they're going around the bend and hit him and where they're doing that filming was filmed in California the rest they flew back to North Carolina to film 
Okay, I mean, I can it's understand. A, it's a fantasy kind of thing, so yes. it's fine. But I'm just like, this is bo like boring. All right, okay. I, I can understand the choice because he, he, in the director's head, he probably had this vision of like the rocky seaside, cliffy yes area. And so you know why what? wouldn't you just pick New England? We have a lot. We have Cliff Walk right down in Newport that looks exactly like what he was going for. Maybe the book is set in North Carolina, so they just. Wanted I wanted to stay somewhat faithful. Yeah, I didn't I didn't read into the book other than like the rough plot synopsis. Yeah. So it is a hundred percent possible that that's true. Uh yeah, and before we really dive into like step by step or anything like mm. that, uh as I, I somewhat mentioned before, like this is one of those quintessential 90s movies. Yep. Like, if you grew up in the 90s, you saw this movie. And I think most horror fans today have seen it. Um, maybe a few haven't, but uh, on, when I think of, 90, of the 90s, this is one of the things that comes to mind. This, Scream, like, obviously it's a lot of horror, because that's what I watched, but... You think of horror, but I think of, like, the 90s rom-coms. Like, She's All That, uh, Josie and the Pussycat Dolls. Um, I don't remember if this was in the 90s, but um, Just Been Kissed with yeah. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed. I think that's The Cusp. You know I what else I think of? What? Spice Girls. <laughs> He's gonna hate me when I pick it. <laughs> My sister watched that growing up. I loved Spice Girls. Loved it. Love, 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 love. And uh. from what I hear, it's a funny movie to watch now. It's a fun romp, uh, mainly because um, if our audience has watched Loki, classic Loki, is their manager in that movie. Yeah, that's true. So when I watched Loki, I was like. Why do I recognize this dude? And all I kept hearing was the word schedule in my head. We have to be on schedule. I'm like, why is this in my head when I look at him? Saw his filmography, Spice World. Boom, right back. I went, <laughs> oh, God, we got to do this for the podcast. Oh, God, it's going to be great. Side note, she has tuckered herself out. And yes. she is now passed out. Thank God. Thank God. Um, and before we completely get off the cast, uh, I'd like to also mention a couple of things one Jennifer Love Hewitt at this time I don't think she was as huge as she became she blows up after this but you can see why everybody like flocked to her she was the quintessential girl next door yes she and all the others that fit into that category everybody wanted that girl next door and she definitely was it in the 90s she was I don't quite understand how she gained the moniker of Jennifer Love Huge Tits. I love her moniker because they downplay it. You see the sweaters that she wears. They very much downplay the size of her chest. Have you ever seen Ghost Whisperer? No, That's I've never That's the series it. that she did in the 2000s. Yeah. Her boobs are huge. I mean, not... I wouldn't say Soleil Moon Fry size boobs after she hit puberty after um Punky Brewster but they yeah she was she was a big I mean if you think about it a lot of the other girls don't have these huge chests no even Sarah Michelle Geller beautiful girl I would love to look like her not like that huge 
I think the only scene that like really amplifies her, t- her her chest in this at all is like that very ending sequence like the when she's shower in the tank oh in the shower yeah in the shower scene you can see it but like everything else to me the way they dressed her the way they they dressed her very well because you you don't look at you're not looking at her chest you're looking at her acting which i think is a great thing these girls back then were you know oh my god look at her looks look at her looks all these women were emphasized for their looks for their body type Jennifer Love Hewitt had curves. Yes. She has she has breasts, she has a tiny waist, she has hips. She's built like that. Then you look at Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was very, very beautiful, but very kind of straight. She has little curves. That's why she was the girl next door. She was the Topanga Lawrence. Same thing. Topanga. Topanga. Topanga was busty and curvy and beautiful. Like, I see in the 90s why when I started to get chubby people would be like looking up to them because they were beautiful now cut to look at what the ideal woman looks like now it's beyonce Ugh. i like the way look beyonce looks i don't want to look like that no even my sister has that same look that very top heavy curvy and then thick when you get to the hips and the thighs yeah, I, I I don't really get that mentality personally. I know I'm I'm chubby, so you got a uh. lot to love. <laughs> oh, we went somewhere weird. We're going back, well, back. Yeah, I also want to say that we also we get Johnny Galecki in this movie. Very small part. Oh my god, he's so cute in this movie. Now uh. most people are gonna know Johnny Galecki from as Leonard in Big Bang Theory, or. And Roseanne. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, oh my David. God. David. David from Roseanne. That's where I first got introduced yeah. to him. That's where I did too, but everybody knows him as Leonard Hofstetter. Yes. Yeah. In this, I think it's really fun to see him play this like more confident, tough guy. Confident? Pushy. Yeah. Very pushy. All the, all the dudes... All the dudes in this movie are douchebags. Saying it now. Calling it now. Yeah, well, Barry is a degree. huge douchebag. Max has a douchey kind of push to him. And I'm sorry, but even Ray's character is kind of a douche. Yes, because Ray... Like, they even say it in the movie. Ray is somebody who, like... He comes from nothing. He has no money. Nothing, He's trying to no make something of himself. He doesn't belong in the friend group. He's in the friend group because he's dating Julie essentially and so he's like kind of taking on this like bravado that he doesn't actually have which is not really evident in his performance but I guess you can see that it's there his performance is still very a confident dude when I don't think that character should have had very much confidence for it no. I think that should have been played a lot more meek, a lot more like he caved really quick in the beginning when they were all like, let's just dump the body and go. But his character, I feel, should have been like, oh, 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 well, like trying harder to be more like, no, he should really. He got persuaded way too fast. It was yes. his performance was too quick, in I, my opinion. I, I think he uh I can understand where he came from when he, like, kind of gives into everything, but I think we'll talk about that as we yeah. go through it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, do, do we want to start kind of going through this? All right, so after the nice helicopter shots, we are introduced to a gentleman in coveralls. 
uh, sitting on the edge of like a cliff drinking and holding a necklace. We don't have much context for this. That's all we get. Um, the next scenes we get is being introduced to uh, the kid, the four kids. Um, Sarah's character, Helen, is crowned Miss Croker Queen yes. of this little town to celebrate um, because they're all excited. The, all four of them go down to... You just awed at the cat, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's fucking stinking cute. We're going to have to put like a little picture here of her like lounging just so people can see. Um, so Sarah Michelle's character, Sarah Michelle Geller. I'm sorry. I'm going to call her Sarah Jessica Parker at least once because the freaking revival of Sex in the City is on and I keep making a switch of their names every fucking time. Don't have three <laughs> names. It's killing me. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller's character is named Helen and she wins Miss Croker Queen. So to celebrate, the four of them go down to... Dawson's Creek. There's a reference to Dawson's Creek in this. They mention, oh, Are you we're, serious? Yes, we're going to go down to Dawson's Creek Beach or something like that. And it's pro it's written in a fun fact that it was, it, was Dawson, it had to be Dawson's Beach. No, it was Dawson's Creek something. It was a reference directly to Dawson's Creek. Oh my god. I mean, that was big at the time yeah, where I'm all the other stars like uh Tom Cruise's ex-wife and uh James Vanderdouche's <laughs> And, yes. Oh God, who was the short little shit? He was in the faculty too. Or am I thinking of Elijah Wood? I think you're thinking of Elijah Wood. I am thinking of Elijah Wood. Shit. Ah, oh, Joshua. Joshua something. Joshua. Couldn't Not Harnett. Joshua. I will find you. I will take in this bitch. Um. So they go down to the beach and they're celebrating by getting drunk and telling a ghost story. Or an urban legend about the man with the hook. Yes. And the four of them fight about what story is really the right one. Yes, and I actually want to stop for a second and kind of talk a little bit about this. Like, up until this point, for whatever reason, movies didn't really cover urban legends. Like, that came in the 90s. Mm. Primarily. There were some, I'm sure. I.E. Urban Legend? Yeah, Urban Legend came after this. Yep. But this was, um, for those who don't know, uh, there's the Legend of the Hook Man. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows this legend, mm -hmm. but I would like to briefly tell it to you. Turn down the lights and enjoy <laughs> a story. Uh, this Urban Legend began circulating widely in the 1950s. Um, there was a, there have been many variations like they talk about in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but the basic story is always the same. It begins with a teenage boy takes an unsuspecting date out to lover's lane for like a little impromptu makeout session. Um, while there, they start to hear, they hear a report of a murderer that has escaped from a nearby insane asylum over like the radio. And the newscaster says that everyone should be on the lookout for this crazy guy who has a hook in place of his right hand. Uh, the girl starts to get scared, um, especially when they start to hear strange scratching sounds coming from outside the car. But uh, the guy insists that everything's fine and tries to continue making out and the girl resists and eventually he gives up and brings her home. 
When they arrive back to the girl's house, the girl exits the car and begins screaming hysterically. Uh, and then when her date exits the car, he sees that there's a bloody detached hook uh, either embedded in the car roof or it's like hanging from the car door handle. Um, and then they realize that the hook man would have gotten come into the car and killed them both. That's the basic gist. And do you know why this urban legend exists? Why don't you tell me? It is stated in the movie why this urban legend exists. It was an urban legend created. Like, not fact, but rumor is it was an urban legend created so young girls in the 50s would not have premarital sex. It was to scare them into thinking that if they go to Lover's Lane or Make Out Point and do the hanky-panky, something bad might happen to them. So it was like a thing that girls kept in the back of their heads or would scare them to go, oh no, I have to go home to my parents. Yes. Yes. And I I un- completely get why this I, was done. I get it. I get it. Um, I've always thought pairing this story with like the 4th of July theme and the slasher genre it, was perfect. It's perfect because it harkens and it's weird. It brings me to the 1950s in Back to the Future. Like that's the exact type of scenario or the exact type of world that I would think this would be. This would totally scare Marty McFly's mom. Yeah. Be like, oh no, oh, oh, you can't kiss. I gotta go home. Like, no, this, this, I can see why. And if you recall, she was up for it. Oh, she was offering herself to her son big time. <laughs> wow. Can't wait to get to those movies. Oh, um. So, yeah, the I love urban legends because yes, they could come from a place of some sort of truth, but it's always a nugget of truth that, or I would say a seed of truth that sprouts some sort of urban legend to like prevent something or like there's some truth to it but there are many branches to an urban legend. Yes. And I think the the urban legend aspect of this movie is something that it's one of the elements that like made this movie so popular not popular but like intriguing. Intrig yes, intriguing. Like and it's no surprise that like this film is one of the thing, one of the ones that like spawned countless imitators, and yes. uh, like look at this movie and then look at some of the stuff that followed. Like you have horror movie that brings together a bunch of uh, popular names and familiar faces to tell like a, a scary story of some kind. There's dozens. After Scream, I would say Scream probably was the first one to do it. This is a good follow-up to Scream. It really is. It really is. But Scream's the one that did it. And how many other movies from Scream till now, including the other Screams, have the same formula made up of it? Exact same formula. Exact same. A bunch of friends, a really, a really scary scenario, some bad shit happens, there's a mystery to solve. Like, it's the same formula. It's also been spoofed more times than I can count. Even in porn. 
Doesn't I know what you did last summer? Porn? Think of anything. There is a porn of it. I'm oh not I'm God. I'm not kidding you. The internet is vast and scary. I know who you dicked last summer. I know <laughs> <laughs> I know why your fingers smell that. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I can think of something my brother said at Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this was one of the major films that was spoofed in the first scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an, another I love one. scary movie. Uh, oh. Shriek, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. That's, does a, it's another heavy. Really? Yeah. That Shriek, one's... if you know what I did last. <laughs> hey, we're just going to. We're gonna put some names in a hat. Pick it, like you just. That one's a lot of fun, and it's in our wheelhouse, so we might cover. Oh Christ, that's awesome. Uh So, going back to the story, um, we see that you know, Helen and Barry get freaky in front of a campfire, and then we see that Ray and Julie have sex for the first time on the beach. Yes. And I act, that's actually, I think that was interesting for this film. Like, uh, it goes immediately goes against the conventions by having Julie lose her V card right there at the beginning. Yes, and I think that's what makes this movie different because it doesn't follow the horror formula. Virgins survive. But it also makes sense because this just followed Scream, which literally broke all the rules. Every single rule. So this one's like, guess what? Right at the beginning, we're breaking the rule. Yep. It's it's keeping toe. It it's broken the rule, and I also believe that with Scream and this movie, it is also reinvented what a Scream Queen is. Scream Queens were virginal pure looking girls that went against the bad guy and survived these new girls that came across were normal everyday girls doesn't matter if you got a v-card if you don't got a v-card that were strong characters that displayed actual problems in this movie you slowly see that she has a real problem that develops from what happens to them in scream um Nev Campbell's character has real problems. Sydney. Sydney. I always forget her name. Sydney. Um, like there were actual like issues. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to have fun. Oh, dad, we're gonna run from the bad guy. No, it was actual like, like they go from in the, in this these first scenes where you see all of them look bright and happy and wonderful teenagers. A little bit of a drinking problem with one of them, you know, some attitude problem, but those are teenagers to real problems. It wasn't just cookie cutter. My life is great. Oh my God, there's a killer. Got to run away. Not saying anything against these seventies or eighties slasher girls, but it reinvented what the definition of a scream queen in the nineties is, which is really cool because now you have these movies that are becoming even more rule breaking and reinventing them in this, this era. Like, name me a Scream Queen in this era that is exactly like Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. In the 90s? No, today. Oh, today. Today. There's none. Even Jamie Lee Curtis's role as Laurie Strobe in those movies now is hard-ass. I've been through shit. I'm not, you're, I'm not, you're not fucking with me now. It's very different. It's a very, very different, but it's also a different kind of movie. I understand. Strode. Whatever. (laughs) 
I only correct you because in another video I remember you saying strobe. I say strobe every time. Strobe duh. What? Um <laughs> Are you are you censoring me? Yeah, I know. I'm a worthless piece of shit. I know, sweetie. <laughs> but um, all right. So the teens are all like, okay, we're done having sex. Let's go home. And Ryan Phillippe's character is Barry. Barry gets real drunk. I mean, fucking hammered. Bliss blitz. Like, he's fucking done. Um, he's in the backseat. And I'm very happy that they decided to be like, give me the keys, no drinking and driving. Very happy that they did that because that was kind of a real problem happening in our generation when we're going to... Uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s with, you know, teenagers. Yeah. Drinking and driving was one of the biggest killers of our generation back then. Because everybody wanted to drink and wanted to have fun with their friends. But, like, I remember every prom season there was a drunk driver car in the parking lot near prom to show you this is what happens when you drink and drive. I was terrified yeah. of driving. <laughs> well, not for not, like, this movie in and of itself is, like essentially the essence of your classic morality tale yes. like how drinking and driving can lead to unimaginable consequences um this being an extreme case like they say it right when the kids are driving down uh they're acting like uh, barry's acting like an idiot he drops the bottle in the car the, the bottle goes everywhere they're not paying attention driving they hit the guy at that point the th only things they can think about are one themselves and two their futures because even uh, Ray says it. This would be manslaughter. It doesn't matter who was in the car. We're all, we're all going. We're all going to fry for it because not only would he go down for manslaughter, it would be whatever they do. At that point, they're all accessories to a murder. Hi. Let me build a bridge. Um. <laughs> yes, and I actually always like. I somewhat like that moment, like the hit and run. Yeah. Because it's like, you're witnessing them realize, like, oh, they fucked up. No. Um, like, they fucked up real bad. They, um, they're dealing with a situation that none of them ever could have predicted that no. they would be in. Yeah. Uh... And they even mentioned one of them has a scholarship. Yeah. The other one's a football. Like, like one's going to be a, an actress. The other one's trying to get out of the town to change his life. Like they, they have all have these so big much dreams. to lose. Yes. And like even like I've always liked Freddie Prince in this scene specifically because he even says like I'm not like the rest of you. I'm not a rich asshole who can money, get away with this. I don't yeah. have family that can get me out of this. Like I'm fucked. Like, and, I, and he was the one driving, even though it was Barry's car, even though the alcohol's on Barry, the whole car smells like alcohol. They're going to get nailed for underage drinking. Barry's going to get na nailed for driving while intoxicated. They're definitely going to get nailed with hitting somebody, whether or not that person was dead or not. No. It was either vehicular manslaughter, vehicular homicide, or attempt to endanger people like yeah. it, it, this is a le like legally i would love to know what all the charges against these kids would have been and out of all these people julie would know that yeah she was dead she was going to school to be a lawyer exactly and she's the one with the best morals but she lets them push her around yes honestly if i were julie i would have walked away i would have literally been like fine i would have walked away i would have walked right into a police station and said I love these people. They're my best friends. But here you go. 
if somebody's screaming at you two inches from your face, telling you to shut the fuck up or I'll kill you about this, they're not your friends. I'm sorry. No, they're not. They're not. Now, that doesn't account for some of my best friends. I will hide a body with them. Just saying. I'll kill somebody. I'll kill somebody. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is obviously, like, this is one of the better scenes in the movie. It's yeah. the scene that kind of gets it everything going. It is powerful. Going. Just the way you see Barry going from a dumb, drunken jock to a fucking psychopath. And he never stops. Yeah, Barry in this movie, like, uh, Ryan Phillippe plays this character with a lot of intensity. He's your average meathead jock type character who's, like, overly... He definitely has an anger issue, a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes full in on it. I don't know what kind of an actor Ryan Phillippe is specifically. I don't know if he does method or... I don't know. ...what it is, but... He, he's convincing. From this scene here, from this scene in this movie, and then you flip over to Cruel Intentions and what Ryan Phillippe's character is in Cruel Intentions, it's very different levels of methodical acting, in my opinion. Because yeah. he actually has to channel, channel somebody with real fucking anger issues here. But in Cruel Intentions, he has to be calculated and cold and specific. Now, I don't remember any other movies besides these two of this guy's. But I knew that I really liked this guy's acting in these movies. He shows up in quite a few things. Uh, I can't specifically state what things, but I know I've seen him in other stuff throughout the years. Mm. He's not a big name. Uh, He was was back then. He was. I'm telling you, this man is hot. He is hot. And I thought he was hot when I was a kid. (laughs) But now, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe he was just one of the heartthrobs of the 90s. Also, the person I was referring to from Dawson's Creek was Joshua Jackson. Oh, that's who you were talking about? That's who I was thinking about. Yeah, he was in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, He's also an urban legend. That's it. You're getting in my way, and I'm tired of your shit. You gotta stop hitting the mic. I know. I'm gonna gonna raise this a little. That might be better. Can you guys still hear me? Anyways. So, after this, at this scene, we're seeing them all screaming yelling squabbling even helen goes from cute little blonde girl next door to hide the body what it's it's showing about what teenagers really don't understand about consequences yes like teenagers and i have to say this teenagers doesn't matter when you were a teenager if you are a teenager if you were a te- anything teenagers don't understand the difference between right and wrong they don't no, they're they still don't. learning teenagers don't think they have any consequences until they do something bad and are facing actual consequences. And that's when you realize as an adult that you as a teen was a fucking dumbass and you want to go back in time and slap yourself. (laughs) Specifically myself, I will kill you. You were dumb. But anyways. Um, After this, we see them bickering and Johnny Galecki's character, Max, shows up. Now, just happens to be, just driving, happens down to be driving down the road. Now, I will say, for this viewing of it as an adult, watching it for the first time in years, this movie, plot point, is handled very well. All the plot, the, the, the specific points that they hit, perfect. 
oh, Jaffney's character just suddenly shows up. Oh, this suddenly happens. That, it makes sense. It's yeah. well written. And I think this, that's why this gentleman, I can't remember Kevin his name. Kevin Williamson. Kevin Williamson. That's why they wanted to be in his movies. The plot points written in this well, in this movie are great. So, Kevin Williamson, it's very easy to see why people want to be in his movies and why, like, Scream was such a big hit mm-hmm. and everything. The man is... He knows how to craft a screenplay. Yep. He knows how to develop a plot intricately and um, weave the threads together in a way that will keep an audience engaged. Yes. He also writes dialogue that is very topical and referential and interesting. Even if he doesn't realize that it's topical and interesting for future generations. Yeah. This is a topic and this is an this whole movie is a topic that can be referenced for years to come. If you do something bad, you need to face the consequence. That's the whole point of this movie. If you do something bad or something wrong, face your consequences or they will eventually catch up to you. I somewhat feel like that's what why he chose to do this one was because like yeah he's continuing on his trajectory of scream where it's like oh like that uh quippy modern uh dialogue that he's good at but it also allowed him to play with a hold on it also allowed him to play with a very um popular and iconic type of morality tale yeah. that like everybody knows um, but he got to put his own spin on it yeah like I would have wanted to do the same thing and people he came this is off the heels of scream where you would think oh the guy that wrote scream would write the same thing no they are two very different type of horror movies they really are like you would think that the person that would write it would accidentally and unfortunately write the same type of dialogue, the same type of quips, the same type of comedy, even the same type of plot points. I can't find a similarly similarity in plot and story between the two of these other than their horror. That's it. This one I wouldn't even classify as a, uh, an actual like scary horror. This is a thriller horror. Yeah, this is more of like a It's a crime it's a crime story. Thriller. Crime story. Um but it's still a slasher film. Yes. Uh, that's really the similarity. They're both slasher films. Is it slasher because the maneuver to kill people is this? Slasher is just where you, ever you have a serial killer going after okay. a group of teens. I didn't know if it was like a an actual like like the noise. I thought slasher was like it had to be no, the noise in the that's movie. That's just what they were. That kind of sounds stupid now that I'm saying it out loud. But whatever. So just now that they dubbed them. Um, one of my favorite insults, because there's a lot of insults that get thrown around in this fucking movie. A lot. Is, uh, shit smear. Shit smear. Shit yeah. smear is a good insult, and I will be using that in future references. Um. Nobody drives my car but me. You got that shit yeah. smear. <laughs> I think all the consequences that the kids were talking about in the beginning of this movie, where, like, oh, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. But I do believe that if these teenagers called the cops and told them the truth things wouldn't have been as bad as they keep t- saying it yeah yeah they would have faced consequences but I, it, I don't think it would have been anywhere as near as like your fucking life is over 
Well, especially since it's a small town. It's a small town. Yeah. Like, and then, like, there's a major, there's a story going on behind the story. So, they would have actually solved another issue if they would have called the cops. Yes. So, they might not have even gotten into any trouble for this. But we'll get to that part more towards the end. So, as of this point, um, they've decided that they're going to dump the body. So the so yeah, one they hit they hit the person. There's blood all over the car. There's blood all over Barry. There's blood all over Barry's clothes. There's probably um, DNA on the car. The cars, whatever, on the body. Modern forensics. If it was a bigger place and not a small town, they would have gotten caught. No, no question about it. They decide to put the body in the trunk of a brand new car that belonged to his parents and take it down somewhere where it says do not enter on a dock and dump it. So there's there's really a number of things wrong with this sequence. Yeah. Um, other than just, you know, the morality of it all. Uh, first and foremost, there's a, there's a moment where uh, they're... Julie says, like, oh, should we check his wallet? Like, just to kind of see who he is. Just to know. And they're, they're like, what? No. Why? Like, they think it's stupid. And then Barry is like, Ray, come on, help me. Help me do this. And all of a sudden, like, Ray's like, I don't think I can do it. And it's, I think, I feel like it's one of the worst parts of, uh, Freddie Prince's performance. Yeah. Because it's just... It's not convincing. No. It is not convincing at all that all of a sudden he goes from, my life's going to be over, let's do this, to, I don't think I can do it. Like, it, that should have been different. That should have been flipped. Yes. I think those two. So right before he says that he can't do it, um, you actually see Jennifer Love Hewitt kind of grab his arm, like, kind of like, no, don't, yeah. don't help him. And... I think that was supposed to play better than it did. Yeah. Like, she grabs his arm, and then he's like, I don't think I can, Ray. Like, I think if he had sold that better, it would have worked. I feel like maybe there's a scene missing. I don't know if there's a scene missing. Or a sidebar, or a comment, or something is a line. Something feels like it should have been there. Like, when she grabs his arm and goes, like, says something. Honestly, even if they had just done a close-up, of her grabbing his arm, maybe mm. that would have sold that moment a little better. Yeah, I don't know. It did just feel like it, it didn't, didn't feel work. right. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this was the the fact that they dump him in the water and he immediately sinks and stays to the bottom. He fucking Jasons <laughs> this. Like he's like, it's and like, then he opens his eyes. Like that's not what ha- when you throw a body in a w- in the water it floats. It does. It floats <laughs> for a bit. And what they said, "Oh, well if we dump the body in the ocean, the lo- the tide will take it out or the lo- the current will take it out." Which is true. The undertow would grab it. It would and grab pull it. it out. If you were like dumping it at a beach and then letting the undertow take it, they dropped it at a dock. Yeah, in still waters. In still waters. It, 
logistically, I know you're not supposed to think about these things, but it's hard not to when you know too this much. This movie is about 20-something years old. We're thinking now. We're thinking. <laughs> we have thoughts now and plot holes. Um, the other thing was when they're leaving the dock after they dump the body, he grabs the tiara. Um, Barry's character, Barry jumps in there to get the tiara and watches him open his eyes. He doesn't tell anybody that he watches the dude open his eyes. Yeah, he doesn't fucking say anything. He doesn't say anything. They know that, oh, he might be still alive because he grabbed the tiara. He could have been like that last ditch effort and then he was dying. He fully opened his eyes and fucking looked at Barry and the pupils. And like, you wouldn't be like, guys, he opened his eyes. At that point, I would have been like, motherfucker, come here. Boom. Gone. Problem solved. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, I don't know. That. Like, why wouldn't he say anything? You should think have he said something. something. Like, he opened his eyes under the water and looked at me. He was still alive fully. At that point, wouldn't you think, oh, shit. Maybe we just dumped a fully-fledged living human being in there. Yeah. Uh, Which, I don't blame this dude for coming after them then. No. Like, the fuck? Also, there was a moment that I finally caught now, and I put two and two together, is they don't focus on the object that was dropped in front of the fence. No, they don't. They don't focus on that at all, which ties a lot of the plot together. Which for me, when I was younger, I didn't understand what was happening and I didn't get why two and two didn't make four back then. Now I was like, that's what was dropped. Yeah, they do show you like, so they drop, they dump the body. uh, He gets the tiara back. He. uh, When they're leaving, there's an object on the ground. Yeah, he makes them all swear the pact. The the death pact, yeah. like. No matter what happens, we never speak of this again. We take it to our graves. Yep. Um, some are forced to take this pack. Uh, but yeah. as they're leaving, we see something shiny was dropped. Or by the was there. Or what, was there. What I think the director and the film... Oh, I'm bad with cast and crew and shit. Whoever was making the plot points that one scene when you when you draw out your scenes about what's supposed to be shot whoever was shooting that should have showed the dropping not just the random silver object on the ground right. should have shown the dropping of the object to put two and two together even more better for the the audience is already supposed to know what's going on yeah at one point before the characters even figure out what's going on you're supposed to be like oh shit you don't get that till the very end. The One of the last scenes, that's when you go, oh. You don't put two and two together. Honestly, if they'd even just done a closer shot of that yeah, object. Yeah, of that object. You would have been like, oh. Oh, oh. This, is e- this plot is even bigger than you think. Yeah. But for me, first several times I watched this, until that moment, until right then when I just watched this, didn't realize it. Yeah. That's terrible. It took 20 years to see that and be like, you were supposed to know that the whole fucking time. Yeah, you're supposed to realize what it was that they were showing you. No idea what they were showing me. I thought it was the beer bottle or the booze bottle on the ground. Um, That's the power of Blu-ray, kids. <laughs> they, uh, so yeah, they we leave the dock and we jump ahead in time one year. One year. Exactly. Boom, one year. Uh, we find 
Julie at college. By the way, this movie is littered with fucking uh, popular 90s music of the time. I want the soundtrack so fucking bad. Not on <laughs> vinyl, because it's $75. Well, now. But I will be buying the CD for this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we find Julie at college. And she looks like She shit. looks like hell. She looks like a recovering drug addict, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, they do a lot to try and make all of these characters look like they've been through the worst year of their lives. Yep. And I think that was a good choice. Because you get to kind of see... What this what secret toll, does to yeah, them. Yeah, what toll yeah. this has taken on them. And... Uh, we meet, we see Julie. She's like, she's dressed in darker clothes. Her hair is like kind of, it's flatter. It's grungy. She looks grungy. A little grungy. Um, we actually meet her friend. Uh, we never get a name for this friend. She's just, uh, I would like to think that this friend is what Brandy's character in the second movie sh- is supposed to I be. I made note of that. I was, like I don't know for sure if this is supposed to be Carla. Carla's her f- best friend in the second movie, which we may get to at some point because it is it in the It is 99. It is in the Wheel House. Yep. But uh is it supposed to be the same character played by a different actress? I don't know. I don't care if it is or isn't. I would like to think that Carla was there. For her worst year and for her best year. That could be pretty cool. I, I feel like this... I, I'm, I've i already solidified in my mind after watching this. That's Carla. Because Carla's like, girl, get your pasty ass back to North Carolina. Get a tan. And then she, the... Kind of look better. Uh, yeah, Carla in the next movie talks like that. And then yep. in this movie, this girl says something similar. Yes. Um... I'd like to think it's the same person. It's supposed to be the same person. Oh, is that why there's like a Carla in in a fucking scary movie like that with that attitude and that badass kind of? It might be. Oh, dude, I love scary movie. So good. <laughs> so stupid. So good. Um. um yeah. Comes, yeah. She comes home and she went to school on this. On a scholarship for law school. And she comes home and we find out from the mother that she left. She hasn't talked to her. She hasn't called. She hasn't done anything. She's on so, uh, she's on academic probation. Her scores are in the tube. She's not doing good. Yeah. Mentally, physically, she looks like crap. We also, there's a passing moment. Literally, it is. I've never noticed it until this viewing. Mm-hmm. Her mom says, like, literally as she's walking out of frame at one point. Oh, your father must be turning over in his grave. I, I didn't like, know her dad was dead. Her dad's dead. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. I didn't know. And you know, and she's she's always looked at the pictures, and she's always kind of like. I thought we just n- didn't see him. Yeah, like oh, like he's not there. It's a fishing village. I figured they're all fishermen. He was out on a trip. That's why he wasn't there. Yeah. But I that that line should have been emphasized in person rather than behind. Like, I never knew that. That That's where this sells it a little more home, in my opinion. Like, oh, maybe it's the worst year of her life because her dad's gone, too. So it's not like she can tell her dad, like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. And, like, that sells the whole, like, it, it sounds silly, but it sells the whole, like, daddy's girl thing. Yeah. Like, oh, my dad will always save me. My daddy always, always be there. Not always, but, no. you know, it, it kind of sells that whole image of, like, the parents, the... That dynamic from the 80s, 90s. Yeah. 
I wish, I wish I would have known her father was dead years ago. Didn't know it. Yeah, Again. It adds a small thing to her character. Again, that, like... there's another problem I have with this movie. That it leaves, it, even though I think the storyline plot-wise is great, it leaves silly little holes. There's silly little holes. Yeah. There's silly little, tiny little punctures that they're like, no, skim over that. They're not going to notice. Right. We're noticed now. We know it. We've We're analyzed. Attention. We're seeing. Open eyes. Um, but this is the scene where she gets the note. Yes. And this is one of my favorite elements of this movie is the implementation of like you receive this mysterious note that is telling you that like your darkest secret is not a secret. I know what you did. I know what you did last summer. Um, and to me, this the arrival of this note it marks the beginning of Julie's worst nightmares coming true. Um, I've always loved this element. It's been fucking utilized in so many things since. Mm-hmm. For good reason. It works. It's a really cool trope. Yes. From there, she goes to find Helen. Well, she goes to find um, the Shivers department store or store or whatever it is to find her sister to be like oh i need to get in contact with helen what's her number and the worst dig is her sister going oh she doesn't have a new york number you can find her four feet away with the women's perfume i want to know more information on why these this sister now you can see helen to her sister they she doesn't hate her but the sister to helen fucking hates her and I want to know more about what happened between them. So, yeah, we never go heavily into the backstory of any character no. in this movie. Uh, you're kind of left to make it up on your own. And the way I always saw it is like, so her sister, whose name is Elsa. Elsa, yep. Um, her sister, I assume, can't stand Helen because she was the one that got everything. Well, like... She's the, I think uh, Elsa's Elsa's the older sister. Yeah, she is. So she's the one that was like, oh, you're going to run the family business. You're going to take over for uh, the responsibility. And uh, the younger sister got to be the beauty queen and everything got handed to her kind of thing. Mm. So I think there's like a lot of sibling animosity there. Okay. That's how I see it. I don't know if that's the intention. I don't know. I just would have liked a side quip or something of her sister like oh she's jealous of or we had a bad fight or you know because my mother passed away or something or anything because you never see a mom you see a dad yeah for the shivers family um fun fact uh it's not shivers in the book it's rivers they turned they changed it to shivers they changed it to shivers Interesting. i have a little theory because this movie is supposed to be scary yeah. And it's a fishing ocean town, so rivers might have been weird. I think shivers sounds better because it's supposed to be like spine chilling. Right. I don't know. Or it's a foreshadowing as to where Helen ends up. Ah, uh, okay. That's a that's my theory. That's an interesting. But I think it's interesting. Idea. Um from there, she shows Helen like the note and says what's happening, and then they go find Barry at home in his seaside mansion or whatever it is. He's the rich boy. And there's a lot more telling in this scene than the other girls. 
in this scene, like he's outside, he's drinking. He's got a wife beater on. He's violent. He's angry. And his mom's just on the phone inside doing this. Like with her finger in her ear blocking him out. Like that tells me more than any of the other information we've gotten from the girls. Right. That his parents just don't give a shit about what he does. Do what you want. Whatever. Have fun. Just don't make us look bad. Yeah. Just don't do anything stupid. That right there, just that one scene where the mom is holding the the dookie 90s phone with the cord, I love it, with her ear, finger in her ear is like, that tells me more about their family and my na- dynamic than we've learned from these two girls. Yeah. And it's like, we need more of this. Even Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, Ray, we get so much more information from like three lines in the beginning of this. I'm not wealthy. I don't have a family to save me. We know his dynamic. We know... Barry's dynamic. Why don't we know more about the girls? There's plot holes in this one that aggravate. I'm not enraged. I'm not mad. You, They're aggravating. You even learn a lot more about uh, Ray. Yeah, like, you learn a lot more about Ray. The fact that his he didn't he never knew his dad. That his dad. Uh, all you knew, my dad was a fisherman. That's all you knew. You find that yeah. out in the next scene when they go to find Ray. You learn that he's poor. Yep. He's. Uh, he do- doesn't have much other family. Yeah. So he probably, what, has his mom maybe, yep. and that's it? We don't even know if he has a mom. We don't. Like, it's it's kind of interesting. They do... They skim over the girls completely, which is like... I'm not saying it's like, oh, that's, that's against lady... No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the girls needed more of a setup. Yeah. I would have liked to know, like, actually that her father was dead, not a side remark and pictures. I would have liked to know a little bit more about the Shivers girl and why her dad com- why completely ignores Helen in the middle of the movie. Comple- she goes, Dad, I'm home. Completely ignores her. Doesn't even care. And I'm like, yeah. wouldn't you ignore or be like, hey, or like, even like if you don't like your kid, like, oh, whatever. I think the idea, and it's a, it's a bad one. Yeah. But I think the idea for that was to make it so he was super oblivious. So he was oblivious to the fact that the guy walks into the house. I mean, right next sure, to him. but uh, I don't know. There's just little, little yeah. thing, little, little, very little plot holes that I'm like, mm, uh, you guys could have. Now that you mention it, there is like almost a element to this movie where, uh, of ignorance. Like, there's a huge element of like the adults being ignorant to the w- the problems. Even the whole thing where Helen is screaming, watching something happening to Barry during the show. If a girl reacted like anything like that, the whole audience would be like, what's happening? What's going on? They would focus well, on that. Why are they just looking at her like she's a dumb teenager? But these are the things, it's like, all right, so the, the dad ignores her mm-hmm. when she comes in the house. The cop completely ignores the her. The cop. The audience ignores her. Treats her as if she's fucking a child mm-hmm. um, to the point where she actually is like calling him out on it um, yeah she she fucking calls him out hard Barry's mom doesn't pay attention to him nope the guy at the gym oh it's uh, just you and me buddy yeah it's just you and me yeah whatever like, why why do all why is why are they all acting like this is the fucking footloose town it's interesting it, it's it's, it's a, what I observed, and I was like, what is everybody's pro Even how belligerently angry and fucking enraged Barry is, nobody's batting an eye. 
No, nobody. He's even treating bothers. the girls like shit out in the middle of public, and it's like okay. It's very. It's an interesting element, and I wonder what the intention was there. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if it was just dudes were written that way. Even a little bit of Ray's character aggravates me. His first thing is like, hey, Julie, what about us? And she's like, there is no us. Why do you have to jump to that? Yeah. Like, immediately, I was like, this movie annoys me. Still a good movie. Maybe a lot of these problems came from the fact that the movie was shot in only 50 days. It was shot ed- and edited. Like, very Very quickly. quickly. Very, very quickly. Even, they didn't even, from what I saw, they didn't even have a lot of post stuff to do. No. The only post problem they had was there was a continuity error between Julie having the sweater on at the end and having it off. They had to go back and post and record her taking it off and putting it over a door to add the fact that, oh no, she did take the sweater off, but you won't fully tell us that her dad is fucking dead? (laughs) You'll tell us there's a problem with a sweater, but not a whole fucking character or a whole plot is missing. What the hell, guys? Good on you for fixing the continuity error? I don't even know if that's right. I don't know. All right. Uh... Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Where'd we leave off? Um. So... He Barry believes that uh, that Max has something to do with it, yeah. which is Johnny Galecki's character. So Barry goes and threatens Max to the face, and he takes the fishing hook. There's a lot of foreshadowing here, and literally smacks him in the face with it, cutting his face and threatening the kid. Yeah, threatens him to to like like, like I'll fucking kill you. I'll, yeah, and I'm like Barry, you need some fucking mental help. There is no reason for you to be this angry at the world. No. And there's a flip switch on him that pisses me off that I I absolutely can't stand with that man, but that's later. So at that point, um, I have a joke. Um, after Max gets uh gets threatened, and we go back, we see them, you know, meet Ray again, and Ray's talking to them, and there's a whole scene of. The, all of them reconnecting and being like, how could somebody know? Who would know? Somebody's just fucking with us, blah, 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 the whole thing. Um, we see this man in a slicker, the killer, kills Max. Brutal, by the way. That's something I want to know is the fact that, like, 
some of the kills throughout this movie are brutal kills. This Th- one? There's not a lot of gore, but they're impactful. This one was, and I'm calling them out on this one. Not the kill, not the, the actual killing, the kill. So the killing is he gets a hook through right here and then it goes into the crabs and that's how he's killed. Yeah. My problem is why did he kill Max? Well, at that by that same by that same logic, why did he kill Ilsa later on? Like I believe he killed Ilsa because Ilsa was in his way to get Helen. Yeah. That's the only that one that's why I think. But my thing is a lot of people have said before and I've seen it said, "Oh, well Max was there." Not really. Max wasn't actually there. He just passed by. Yeah. He tried to be like, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, he's just sick. Even even uh, Ray, Freddie Prince Jr. character, he does not sell me on that part, too. He's like, oh, keep going, Max. Thanks. Have a good night. He's very obvious. Very, very obvious. Like, dude. And they might have done that for... I think that was intentional. But... I think that might have been intentional, but I still hated it. Because I'm like, why this scene just seems so... There's two, there's three people acting on a different level from you, Freddy. All three of them are on a different plane, and you're just down here going, thanks for coming. <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with Freddy. I just don't like him in this role. No. But Max, I believe, is the wrong type of collateral damage. They're, Max shouldn't have been killed. This is... They were up in the body count. There's really I no mean, other excuse. Yeah, that makes sense. But sometimes, even with Friday the 13th, the body count made sense. There was a reason for all the body count. Yeah. This one, he other does than get threatening... He from this scene. Yes. Other than Julie having, having something for Julie to find, that's all it is. Yeah. It, I mean, it's impactful, but was Max's death necessary? No, of course not. No. No, no. Um... Something I do, because we're getting into this now, something yeah. I really do like about the dynamic of this film is I love the fact that for, like, the first half of the movie, you're essentially, this guy is slowly fucking with and tormenting these kids individually. And Where then like the they're s- the only ones that see it. Nobody else sees it, and it's word-of-mouth shit. And then the the second half is where he slowly starts picking them off. Yes. And I really like that tormented... Uh, it's like, he, your sins are coming back to haunt you, and then they're going to claim you. Yes. Like, I really like that. I might be sadistic, but I think he could have tortured them a little longer. Maybe he does in the series. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> he fucks with them real hard in the series. But from the plot point of the book, if the series follows the book more... It's justified. Yeah. This one, we'll get into it at the end. So after all of this, um, we see Barry working out at the gym. We got to get the Ryan Phillippe's hot fit body, <laughs> half naked in a shower for you ladies to get you hot and bothered. Personally, he does nothing for me at all. Um, I got more jollies off of seeing Johnny Galecki in the movie in a 90s, like, that hoodie thing, that weird, colorful twill kind of fucking sweatshirt. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's hot. And driving a truck, no doubt. That was weird, too. <laughs> um, So you see that Ryan Phillippe's working out. He's out of the gym. And he gets a Polaroid of his car. That when he turns it around, just as I know. 
I think Polaroids. I think you can build a whole horror movie out of just fucking Polaroids. They've done it. It's terrifying. Uh, Memento was built basically Polaroids, right? Not a horror movie. Not a yeah. horror movie, but they use it. I think this is an underrated piece of equipment. Yeah, I'm pulling it out because, you know, I love this thing. This is an underrated piece of equipment. You don't have dates on it. You, like, it's something that there's not a negative save. That's all you've got. And you can burn the evidence afterwards. It's not like a, cam- uh, um, a digital camera where there's always extras. I yeah. have... How many copies of my photography stuff? Tons. Terabytes worth of copies of photography stuff. One Polaroid? One mistake? Ugh. I think it's terrifying. And I would love to see more horror movies that are just like Polaroid camera based or torture. I don't know. It's just something that I... There, there have been a, uh, a couple recently that have tried to utilize the nostalgia factor and do like... There's a movie called Polaroid that came out not that long ago. Ooh. Not great. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but people try to do it. Nobody's done it well. Mm. So after he finds the Polaroid, he comes out of the gym going, uh, and asks the owner or the dude behind the gym, is it just me? Yeah, it's just you and me, buddy. And he's like, what's going on? What's happening? And he hears his car start. And he goes out there and he runs after the dude and the dude's backing out of his car. And then the car runs his ass down and runs him through what looks like a wall. It's like a billboard kind yeah. of thing. And just runs him down and leaves him there. Yeah. That was a perfect opportunity for one hell of a kill. Yeah, but this, that's the point. Like, just the to point torture of these scene is to torment these kids. Like, he wants to scare the shit out of them. And then kill them later. Now, after this scene... He totally becomes sweet on fucking Helen again. He gets very protective, very sweet, and he gets very protective of both girls. I like that element. I like that the, like, the feelings didn't completely go away. They're still there. Yeah, like, oh, this, this near-death experience has me terrified. It annoys me. I don't know why it annoys me, but I'm like, you have this screaming, jerky asshole that just changed everything a year ago and one year later getting run down he changed his mind completely I don't think he did I think it's just like the re- reconnecting during this situation is kind of like brought up some old feelings back oh maybe I'm an asshole but I'm like ugh, I didn't like it <laughs> I didn't I think that Barry got what he deserved because if that dude wasn't dead and could hear everything I believe running him down and throwing him through a billboard much deserved justice this for me um so at this point the girls are at the afterwards they're at the hospital room like i'm having a hard time step by stepping this because i was researching more facts and stuff yeah the rest of this starts to like everybody essentially gets their moment um so like helen uh goes home this is that scene where dad ignores her yep uh the fisherman sneaks into her house is hiding in the closet in all the closet. night. And I thought this was a nice touch because I never noticed it until this viewing. But, mm. like, she has that moment where her sister comes in and she's like, goes to brush her hair. And her sister's like, You and your hair. So pathetic. Yep. And then the guy cuts her fucking hair off when she's sleeping. Yep. That, I never put that together. Before. I didn't either, but 
you can tell from the narcissistic way she views herself that that was a definite like low point the other thing that annoys me and this is like a it, it annoys me because i can tell as a wig that is such a wig oh yeah I mean... it is such a bad wig too that after it's cut and everything and she has like her normal hair she looks better yeah. I hate that long-haired blonde wig on Sarah. Even though her hair is blonde. But I also know what era of Buffy this is. And I'm like, yeah. that's a bad wig, guys. Well, I also really... I think it it works. Like, not the, the wig, but like the, the idea that... All right, of cutting off her hair. Yeah. That... Especially while you're sleeping. Like, that's... You gotta think of how violating that must how feel. How intimately like like this guy was in my room while i slept inches from my face and she's only wearing a t-shirt like a like a button-up shirt while she's sleeping yeah like that's that right there i see why her personality took a 180 yeah sorry my screen's fucking up um and then there's the scene where um well prior to this actually the girls make a visit to David Egan's sister because um, Julie figures out they killed David Egan because they found a body three weeks later and it was his. So they visit her to get more information because they think it's David Egan. Yeah. Um, but this seems a little weird because it's two girls going, oh, our car broke down. We need to call AAA. It's a very telling of the times thing. Like there wasn't really cell phones back then. It was 97. Yeah, they got to stop and use. Yeah, you got to stop and use a phone. And they're asking the strangest questions to this poor girl who lost her brother a year prior. Yeah. And I'm like, this girl isn't sitting there going, what are you guys getting at? Like what? I don't understand where, like, even if they're just trying to like reminisce and ask questions, even the delivery of some of it is just odd. I think it could be chalked down to the girls being terrified and nervous about everything that's happening to them. Right. But still, it's very, it's very awkward. And it's like... Mm. It is. And they, like, they sit, they, they try to do a lot with red herrings yeah. in this movie. Like, they try to set up a lot of the people like as, deflect like, thing. potential uh, bad guys. And one of them is David Egan's David, sister here. Like, yeah. The fucking house that they that they visit it basically looks. It like looks like something out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was Massacre. just gonna say that. Like, yep. It looks just like it's straight out of Texas Chainsaw. She's in it, like an apron. She looks dirty. She's tiny, skinny. She looks weird, and I'm just like, because they even know. Oh, he lives in the sticks. Yeah. Okay. All right. I see where you're going, but I'm just um, awkwardly confused. But this scene is also where you learn the name Billy Blue. Yep. Uh, she mentions that somebody came to visit her not long after her brother died and said his name was Billy Blue and he was asking about him and yeah. said he was a friend of his. Uh, and you start, there, there's a whole nother, like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. Like, we learn later who this guy is. Yes. So that was one of the scenes that we missed. But um, after Helen gets her hair cut off, uh, she calls Julie and Julie's rushing over. While Julie's driving, she hears a lot of noise in her cat is throwing herself against the door. Um, we hear a lot of noise in the trunk, like scraping and scratching. Julie stops, open the trunk, and there is a shit ton of crabs and Max's body. 
and it's it's a scene that I'm like, oh, oh, that's that that right there that's is probably fucking the most, traumatizing. It's probably the most gruesome part of the movie. It is, and it 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 brings about the most iconic '90s horror line ever. Yeah. So Julie finds the body. She runs runs literally to he- Helen's house. Grabs them. Grabs her and Barry. Uh, they. All go back to the car. Open the trunk. Open the trunk. Nothing's there and it's clean. Body's gone. Compl- no evidence that it was ever there. No, nothing. And this is the big moment of this movie. Everybody remembers it from the trailers and yep. God knows what else. Uh, the, what are you waiting for? Um, yep. It's been spoofed. It's been done hundreds of times. But it's still very impactful. Quiet little Julie just fucking losing her mind. What are you waiting for? Everyone knows this from the 90s. It's huge. Huge. And there are some times where any scenario in life where you're doing something stupid or something, and I've looked at somebody and been like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> People are like, really? Um, let's see. I have a comment that I have here. It's why, why are all of these people such assholes so all right this kind of goes into something i was saving to talk about but i'll do it now um there's something i really really like about this movie Mm. it's like my favorite thing about this movie it's the the fact that it's a perfect representation of what this type of extreme situation can do to even the closest friendships. So, like, you essentially view almost everybody in this movie as an asshole. Yeah. Like, but when you take into account, like, like how a lie like this can tear you apart from within and cause so much conflict with everyone around you. Yeah. Like, you're watching, like, these... you. Just seeing how much they change from the very first time you see them to the moment you meet them again after the year gap. You see how much this fucking one event destroyed all of them. Yep. Barry lost everything. He didn't become a football star. Uh, He's basically just a fucking alcoholic who works out every night to fucking make himself feel better. Yep. Helen didn't become an actress. She failed at everything she ever set out to be, be and is belittled by her sister. Her, belittled by her sister and is forced to work under her at a fucking like a general at a her department parents' store. department store, nonetheless. Julie went to college, but is failing everything and is like on the verge of losing it all. Ray never got out of town. He's just a local fisherman, just like his father. Yep. And it, I can easily see why each and every one of these people is a miserable fuck. I mean, <laughs> even even the townsfolk, everybody is an asshole in this movie. Well, I feel like Everyone. that plays into the the element we were talking about, like that that element of ignorance that's throughout everything. Hmm. Like they all feel like there's nothing going on, but like you're meant to view this through these characters eyes who are they all feel so isolated because they're living with something they can't ever talk to anybody about 
I wish there was more if I wish that there was more towards like the audience feeling sympathy for these kids. I don't. So do I. I feel nothing for these kids. But I think you were they were hoping you would. I think they could have done way more to sell it, but I feel like they were hoping it would be there. Mm. And I really like that element. Like I think it's really cool to see that like they're they're all broken down by this. They're haunted by it every day, and now it's literally in their face, haunting them. Yeah. And they they can't do anything about it. I don't know. I I really like it. I like that element a lot. So we're getting close to the end of the story, and unfortunately, I don't have a lot of of notes about the where what happens to Barry and what happens to Helen. I believe what happens to Barry is justified. Barry did a lot of verbal damage when, after they hit the killer. Barry did a lot to destroy the bonds that he had with his three fen- friends in that moment. He did a lot to make himself a villain. Uh, yes. We don't... Before we actually get to their, like, untimely demises. Mm. Um... There is, there's the moment where they all kind of divide off. Julie goes back to see the sister. Yeah. Um, I don't know where Ray goes, but Ray Ray's, goes to work. Ray's, Ray's goes to work, and then Helen um, is in the Croker parade, yeah. She's in the parade. Barry's with her to keep her safe. Um, I always kind of hated that scene because they're riding the parade float. They're basically looking for the fishermen while they're doing it. And she points out this this guy. Barry runs after him. It's not him. But then they cut back to Helen, and she's looking around, seeing all these people in the slickers, and they're doing this thing where it's like, "Oh my God, is that the guy?" And then they turn around, and it's just some dude. Yeah. Every time I see this, even back when I watched this as a kid, I was, I never felt right about this. Yeah. And like when I watch it now, it's like. You don't know who this guy is. Yeah. Any, like, that dude who turned around with the glasses on, the, like, standard suburban dad, it could have been him. That mom (laughs) with the fucking brunette ponytail, it could be her. Like, it could be anybody. They make, like, a big show of it not being the guy. And it's like, how do you know? (laughs) You don't. You should be terrified that even your own father could be the killer. Like, really? Yeah. But what I will say about, like, that that whole scenario drives me crazy. What what really drives me crazy is I believe Barry's death is not enough and Helen's is too much. Helen, while saying, we'll dump his body and agreeing, okay, I can see why she gets killed. Barry is killed on the top, swift, done. He's killed on the in the balcony, very done and quick. Helen is chased down. From the theater into like she's in the theater she sees that then she gets in the cop car then she goes from the cop car breaking out of it running into her sister's thing it was like they wanted to watch this girl get tortured i don't think her death should have been that she didn't deserve that gruesome of a demise hers is more prolonged it is where i think the one who did the more damage barry should have been in Helen's scenario and Helen should have had the quicker death. That would have been that would have made sense, I think. It would have, because to me it was like, yeah, okay, killing Helen for wanting to dump your body is justified. 
but you literally tortured her. You killed her sister. You've ruined that whole family's life now. Yeah. Like, you've killed, like, like, no, I do not see it. And she was right there. Helen was right there. She could have ran out into the middle of that if she didn't stop. She was so close. And it aggravates me every time I see this. Helen could have just kept running, but she stopped. You want another movie mistake that yeah. we completely glazed over? Yes. So right after the uh, what are you waiting for scene, yeah. when they meet back up with Ray, yeah. uh, they're w- walking up to Ray and Barry punches him. Yes. And he's like, you're going to die. He punches him. He punches him with his cast. His hand is in a cast yeah. in that scene, and he punches him with that hand. <laughs> I watched it this time. I was like, are you... F- that would have hurt you so bad <laughs> to do that. I didn't even notice that. It ha- it happens very quickly, but he literally just goes, Wah! and hits him with his cast hand. Jesus. <laughs> uh, there are so many tiny little punch hole problems with this movie. Yeah. Um, I never agree with Helen's death, but she had to die. Sorry. Yes. Plot point. She had to die. So we get to the point where now Julie's going to talk to Ray, or I don't know what how it goes from Helen's death in the alley to that. I'm I wasn't paying attention to that point, so you'd have to you probably have to help me with that point. Helen's death to what? Helen's death death to Julie realizing who he is. Um. So she realize Julie realizes who that. When she goes to meet, see the sister the second time, yeah, that they didn't kill uh, David Egan, that they hit somebody else, yep. Um, because she says, Oh, well, I, I we, I, I'm sorry, we hit him. We, I saw Susie's tattoo. She's like, He never had a tattoo for Susie's name, yeah, but they did show that Julie saw a tattoo on the guy's arm. Yeah. So she had a clue to identify the body. Right. But did not have any solid identification for him. Yeah. That was the moment where she realized we didn't kill David. So, uh, like, we see Helen's whole death. We come back to Julie and... She's going to find Ray. She's... I don't think she was heading to... F- no, she was heading to find Helen, but uh, couldn't find her. Hmm. Because she was at the end of the parade route. Oh, that's right. She was at the end of the parade route. She showed up at the Croker stage. Yeah, and she saw, like, Ray's boat where he was. And she was like, oh, I'll go see him. Yeah. Went over to see him. uh, Tells Ray about that they didn't kill David Egan. um, It was somebody else. Mm. And uh, Ray tries to convince her to come out of the boat and talk to him and she realizes that his boat is named Billy Blue. Oh, uh, okay. And immediately thinks She's like, "Oh my god, you're the you're it. You're the guy, you're, you're the, the fisherman. You you're the one You're who the one to torturing and killing everybody." Uh Ray tries to chase her and like talk to her. She runs into another fisherman. Well, Ray gets fucking clotheslined like WWF style clothesline. <laughs> Damn. Uh, by this mysterious guy. He's like, get uh, on the boat. You'll be safe. So she gets on the boat. And she realizes that the boat belongs. Well, she walks into a room 
that has photos of them from the day prior, what are you waiting for, or earlier that day. Yep. How do you get the photos developed that fast in the 90s? It usually doesn't taste that quick. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh. plot, plot hole. Um, uh, but there's newspaper articles about everywhere. them. And... and then there's pictures of a blonde girl and all of this. And then you see the necklace that David was spinning. At the very beginning. Which is the fucking necklace that's by the fence in the beginning. But you don't notice that because they don't directly go, hey, plot device, plot device. That's where you put the connection together and... Like, you're supposed to know, oh, my God, no, they didn't. Oh, well, they killed him. Oh, they didn't. Because how would you have that if you realize it wasn't David? David was holding that. If it really was David, that should be at the bottom of the ocean if he accidentally drowned. Exactly. So then you get the realization that Ben Wallace. Willis. Willis. Susie Willis's father. Because David Ego, e, David, oh. David Egan. David Egan was engaged to Susie. Susie died in a car crash. David walked away from that car crash. Ben Willis was pissed, killed David Egan the same night that the kids hit him. Yes. So either way, the kids wouldn't have had a problem. You can actually assume that uh, Ben Willis killed David Egan and was hit leaving that scene leaving the scene of the crime because he was covered head to toe why would you need to be covered head to toe in the middle of the night and my other thing is he was covered in a lot of blood a lot maybe it could be for the car crash could have been david's so either way if these kids just called the cops they might have actually been accessories to solving a murder that this man just committed. Yes. Because when Julie sees the suicide note that um, his sister Melissa showed her, like, oh, this is a suicide note. She goes, no, it's not. The handwriting matches the note she got. This is a warning. This is a threat. She's like, no, it's not. It's a suicide note. She's like, no, it's no. not. That's when she puts two and two together. So then, you know, we see the scene where... You know, he says, uh, uh, David, or uh, Ben, oh, there's too many names, guys. Ben says something to Julie along the lines of, you know, teenagers hitting people in the middle of the night. And that's when she goes, fuck them dead, basically, and just tries to run for her life. Yeah, and this starts the big ending climax chase thing through With on the boat. One of the most fucking hair-raising, like, proofs that your friends are dead. She's hiding in the ice bottom, trying to get away from this man, pulling ice, trying to hide. And she finds both Helen and Barry's body. Side note, fun fact, that is not ice. That is gelatin. I always, since I was a kid, was like, oh my God, that's got to be freezing for this poor girl. Oh my God, she must hate it. Side note, it's gelatin. I never thought it looked like real ice. I thought it was just like really cool ice. And then I'm like, oh, rubber, like that, that really like gelatin substance. Like when you have the fake can, fake soy wax candle stuff, the clear shit. Oh, Max, that makes sense. But that scene traumatized me. I was like, oh my God, like finding your best friend in just a thing of ice because he doesn't want people to find the bodies and you got to keep them fresh. Why not? You got to torture the other two. Why not put the bodies in, you know? I think uh, this big finale, it's your standard slasher film ending where it's like 
the killers chases the victim. She stumbles upon all the bodies. And then, like, you also add the element of Ray is trying to catch the boat. And... I have two problems with this whole thing. One. Okay. I have a note. It's the middle of the summer. Jump in the fucking water and swim away, you bitch. Two. I uh, That was a little too amazing to believe he drove the boat really fast. And the flare gun just happened to perfectly flip out of your hand. Yeah. I'm of like, course. oh, it is. That is absolutely fucking terrible. But the payoff is the ending scene is he's caught Julie. He's going to get her. His hand gets caught and his hand now gets ripped off. Like his whole hand yeah. with the with the the hook. The hook is gone, which is like, ah, so that's how the hook man lost his hand. That's always how I yeah. thought of that scene, which was really kind of cool. It's definitely intentional. Yes. Um, yeah, but um, the big caveat to this is that like the police get the get them off the boat, and they're dragging the water, and they, they pull up the off. nets and see the hook hand hanging from the net. But they can't find the body. But they can't find the body. Which... I don't know if they left it open for sequels or not for a purpose. I think they did it more for the effect rather than yes. the sequels. But it left it open for sequels. <sighs> well, that was a big element back then and still is now, really. Like You, you always kind of want to end off your horror movie with an element that the threat isn't really gone. It's, it's, a, it's a looming threat. It's a permanent yeah. looming threat. You want that fear to still linger. And we finally get like everything's all set. Um, it's resolved. Like Julie even says to Ray, so we went through a year of hell for nothing. Yeah. So it, it, it very much, that's a pretty cool line and a pretty cool scene. I hate the way this movie ends. I hate it. I've always hated it. The movie ends when it blacks out with... Ray and Julie holding each other on the boat uh, on the deck for me. That's it. That's when this movie really ends. I'm going to disagree. I like this ending. Oh, for a couple of reasons. Okay. So this ending for me, a, I like how it's handled in the sequel. Like because it follows up this ending as a dream, but. I, I wish I always kind of wished it was real that kind of like it's the only real way they could continue it with Julie still being in it um I like this ending because alright you get the element of it's what another year later a year later I made the dean's list she looks she's, good she's happy she's doing better she looks great she's happy bubbly her and Ray are doing great even long distance um she's finally got the life she wanted um but then she gets off the phone she comes out of that shower room and you see the note or yep. the letter and you get that element of oh my god it's uh, like and the the fact that she immediately thinks that is that th it's still there like mm. that feeling that haunted feeling is still in there yeah and it took a trigger to bring it back she opens it and it's like a invitation to a pool party or something stupid 
And she's like, oh, thank God. She goes back into the shower. And it's filled with fog because she turned on the shower. But And John Carpenter turned on the fog it's, machine. It's, turned, it's filled with fog. And she walks in and sees that on the shower door. Is, I still I still know. know. The thing that makes me love this moment so much is that she sees that and she looks around and no nobody's there and the mu- music builds and then you hear the fucking necklace. You hear that ting spinning. I didn't hear that. And that sound, because you've heard it throughout the movie, right at the beginning, you heard it when Ben shows it to you at the end you hear that sound and you know that Ben's back Ben is still alive and she turns around and he fucking jumps through the shower stall and gets her I fucking love that final moment hearing that sound oh I didn't hear the ting but I hate it it gets me every time and I love it I don't think it's necessary the fact that they can't, they can't find his body. All you find is the hand, hook hand. Solid proof enough that he's not gone. Yeah. To me, that is the lingering threat. You don't need to drive it home with a shower scene. No, but it's it's the the tension of that moment with that, that sound. That is why I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree. Sound design. They win. They win this one for me. I think we're about at the closing questions here. Yep. Um, overall thoughts on the film? I don't like this movie. I don't. While it's a good movie and I love it for the nostalgia factor, I don't like it for how many plot holes there are for it. It's got a good plot. It's written nicely. There's a reason why this is so popular. There's a reason why this is a great film. I personally don't like it. Some of the acting is terrible. I don't think it's great on how many holes there are. There should have been more explanation of certain things. Not even long explanations, just a couple more lines or just a a few more seconds of a scene. They focus too much on, like, Helen's death. Helen's death is so long. That whole chase, it's too much. To where, yeah, it's a great scene, but I... I don't think it's that necessary for her death to go on that long. I think they I think they shafted the girls' stories. I think they put them through, through too much trauma. And I think the boys needed to be put through as equally as much trauma as they were. Okay. Um, I love this movie. I always have. I'm, that's opinion's not really going to change. Yeah. Like, I, I grew up with this. It's always going to be something that's close to, near and dear to my heart kind mm. of thing. Um, not my favorite film of all time or anything like that, mm. but it's definitely one of my favorites from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I do agree that, like, you're right. The girls suffered way more than the guys, and I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, Honestly, I think it was just playing into the fact that girls uh, in horror movies are tend to be the ones that you want to stick with more, so they stuck with them longer than yeah. they stuck with the guys. Uh, yeah, I... 
I like the movie. Bad acting and all, I like it. I always will. It's it's nostalgic. Do you have any favorites? I don't have anything that jumps out to me. No lines that jump out to me, obviously. What are you waiting for? That's the one line that jumps out for everybody in this movie. Um, I've always liked to see kind of the, like, the the insanity train of, like, Helen just losing it throughout the whole film. Kind of because I really like Sarah Michelle Gellar. I always have. She's one of my favorite actresses from the 90s. As, uh, for as much Buffy as I've watched, you watch that character and how much Sarah's acting is just incredible. And there are some episodes of that show that are gorgeous. And you can see that she's going to become an amazing actress over time. I like watching Helen spiral from this, I'm perfular, I'm popular, I'm great, I'm wonderful. I just said everything completely wrong. Um, I'm perfect, I'm popular, I'm great. And you just watch her spiral until the bitter end. I think she definitely portrays it better than everybody else. Yeah, like she's my, that's my favorite, is just watching her just lose it. Um, What about you? I think my favorite scene is always going to be the hit and run. Um, That, just that, like, that's the moment everything changes for everybody. The break. That's that's the big, iconic scene of this movie. Mm. Um, I love everything about it. Couple lines uh, do stand out to me, and I I like them. Uh, One, just because it's purely funny when you hear it off the cuff, is... uh, so where did he go? Did the crabs carry him away? Oh God! <laughs> uh, that was fun. Um, and the other one is like that during that big Ben Willis reveal. Um, is the kids like you should be having fun, drinking, partying, running people over, getting away with murder? Yeah, things like that. That that one. <laughs> that's like ooh. I like that. Um. Uh, that's really about it. This isn't one that's like well known for like its dialogue. Yeah. It's not like Scream. Like it's well written, but it's not like there's not memorable ones. It's going to be hard to pick favorites with Scream. I've seen Scream twice. Once years ago, and you made me sit down and actually watch all the Screams. That thing is littered. Littered with what's your favorite? Oof. Let me start with number one. <laughs> like, um, does this work for you? No, it doesn't. I mean, I loved it as a teenager, but um, I also think that I've got a little bit more of watching and understanding movies under my belt now, and this one doesn't work. I think that it's written very well. I wish that it was acted a little better by certain people. Not saying that one sucked more than the other or one was better more than the other, but when you've got strong actors and actresses and then you've got some that are a little weaker, it just wasn't fleshed out enough, in my opinion. Do you need me to hold? No. Okay. It just wasn't fleshed out enough, in my opinion. And I wish that... I just wish it was a little bit more elevated. Not better, because it's good. It just needed to be more elevated. I wish that they fleshed out some points a little more. I wish some things were looked at better. It seems rushed, and knowing that it only took 50-something days to do everything, it is rushed. This had to get out quick. It should have been done better. And for how beloved and how much money it made, 
maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an asshole in this scenario. Maybe people are going to look at me and be like, you fucking suck. How can you have this opinion? It's just my opinion. I don't think this movie works. So I guess you wouldn't recommend it. Honestly, I've never recommended this movie. I always say, if you want a movie to get drunk to and pick apart. Oof. Yeah. All right. Uh, this, this works for me on a nostalgic level. It works for me on a 90s slasher level. Because mm. um, most of those weren't well thought out or put together. Um, I don't really recommend it to pe- people unless you're of the same mindset as I am or if you grew up in the 90s yeah watch it uh, it's one of those very specific things mm-hmm. like I I'll recommend it sure like this it's fun to watch it's not the greatest movie ever and I'll tell anybody that I recommend it to that but it's fun mm-hmm. if you can just accept it for what it is it's a good don't watch. think like me and watch it don't be analytical don't pick it apart but that's what we're doing here we're, we're picking yes. apart movies and how would you make this today I don't think I would no no to me like because I grew up in the 90s and I've watched horror and slashers evolve there's better there's better ways to tell this story it's an iconic story it's an iconic movie from the 90s I'm not gonna shit on it in that sense but I will say, there's better out there. Watch Scream. It's a better movie. Um, I probably would do it today, but the way I would do it has already recently been done. Stay true to the book. Stay true to the book and do it as a limited series. And they just did that. We so. definitely like limited series. I like limited series because it gives you a chance to explore character more. It fleshes things out, which some movies, I would say 50% of the movies that I see up there could do with more fleshing out. Denton, I feel like if you're going to remake something, that should be your intention, is to flesh out what's already there. Expand it. Touch upon and then go. Why just do the same thing again? Yeah. So like, yeah, limited series I think is the perfect format for redoing something. Yes. And this had its chance. I can't wait to see what they did with it. The best example I can say is recently I watched A Haunting. Catherine Zeta Jones, Luke Wilson. The Haunting. The, uh, right? the Haunting. I'm yeah. sorry. The Haunting. That's the one you're talking about? Yes. All right. And then last year, or the year before that, I watched A Haunting of Hill House. That is an example of taking a movie that touched very briefly touched on the original Haunting at Hill House from the 50s or 60s, I can't remember which one, and expanded upon and made it better. The Haunting of Hill House is incredible. The Haunting, fucking terrible 90s movie. (laughs) No hate to anybody in that movie. Fucking terrible. I watched it. I hated it. I'm also very disappointed disappointed Luke Wilson doesn't go wow in that movie once. Wow. wow. But that's that's an example of here's the remake. You have an original, you have a remake, and then you have a limited series. The limited series, the original's great. The remake, nope. The limited series expanding upon the world. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> 
We're gonna have so many limited series in our lives. Is uh, would you consider this to be exploitation or other? Yes, because it's a slasher fic. It's a slasher. I think that slashers are something that, if they had a chance to be a grindhouse, in the grind actual grindhouse, they would. There would be slasher grindhouse houses to where all they did was roll these slasher flicks. This would be one of the topper ones, the topper builds that would be on it, but I think yes. Because it's a slasher, it is a grindhouse. Disagree with me. I respectfully disagree. Yes! Um, I didn't I didn't disagree with him because of this. I really did know in my heart that we would not agree on this movie. I uh this is absolutely it, it it's a slasher film, but it's not exploitation. It's not anywhere near bloody enough. It there's not anywhere near enough. And nudity. the director had, was told to make this gorier. And Fun fact, he was told there was not enough gore in this film. There is no gore in this film. Not really. There is somebody going with a ketchup blood. bottle. Yeah. That's it. But no, this would not fall under exploitation. It is it could have it could be turned into an exploitation movie if somebody wanted to, which that might be fun. But no. As it stands right now, it's just a 90s slasher. It's okay. nothing. It's I, barely grindhouse worthy. I would say <laughs> that it probably would end up in a grindhouse because I think it it kind of sucks that much. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sleeping in the doghouse tonight. I think that's going to bring our discussion on I Know What You Did Last Summer to a close. Um, but please don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. in your skull. Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. Got him. I lost him. Welcome to Mars. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. Look who's talking. your identity and implanted a new one. If I'm not me, who the hell am I? He's got a hologram! Welcome to Johnny Cab. Drive! Where can I take you tonight? Please fasten your seatbelt. I want Quaid delivered alive for re-implantation. That's for making me come to Mars. You wouldn't hurt me. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce.
hope you enjoyed the ride. I don't know what you just watched. All I know is it it might just be Terminator a different kind. Oh no, this is quite different than Terminator. I, I like I like true lies. Like this will be closer to true lies okay, than that. Alright. Yeah, I have no idea what Total Recall is at all. So alright, Total Recall is a it's a movie based on a book by Philip K. Dick. The movie is very different than the book. Okay. Um, so this this is one I grew up with. I was shown this movie very early in life uh, by my uncle. My uncle got me into a lot of the stuff that a lot of movie stuff. So the uncle I finally met, right? Yes. Okay. Um, he. He was a big fan of this and all like Arnold movies and action stuff from the 80s and uh, got me into all of it. Um, this is one of the earliest Arnold movies that I saw. I think it was like Terminator, Conan, and then this. Oh, Conan. Oh, God. Watching it at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm going to protest the whole time. Why are you gonna protest? Oh man, I don't like Arnie. I hate Arnie. Well, basically his whole filmography is in oh, our fucking wheelhouse. I know. But yes, Total Recall. It's a sci-fi action espionage thriller. Um, okay. It's there's a lot of comical stuff in it. There's a lot of stuff that wasn't meant to be comical that is because it's Arnold. Yep. So none of that, thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I personally, I think you'll find it funny if nothing else. Um, you get it's not just an Arnold movie. You also get uh Sharon Stone and um fucking Michael Ironside. Uh, I hear Michael Ironside. And all I think is Michael Speedman, or or Scott Speedman. I don't know how the I don't fuck know you why I get, I get them mixed up, and one of them's like a '90s star, and the other one's like from Underworld. Like that, I I I don't know why every time. I, I don't get it. Like Michael Ironside is so different than Scott Speedman. I don't it's understand. The same human being to me. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But. I don't know. Like, I think you're you're gonna enjoy this. Uh, like, I've seen this many times, and it's when I first saw it, I think it was, oh, this is cool. This is a cool action movie. And then as I got older and realized how like '80s cheese it was, mm. it got better for a different reason. Um, I'm hoping you'll somewhat enjoy the experience if for. At least for the funniness of it. I hate action films. I don't know why. It, they're just not thrilling to me. There's gonna be a lot of them. <laughs> when you said... So we've had a little bit of an Adobe problem. It's fine now. 
But one of the movies that we had an issue with was the Van Damme movie. Hard Target. Hard Target. And when he said, oh, we might have to record Hard Target again, I wanted to jump out that window. I was like, no, I don't want to watch this movie again. I have the notes, but my memory isn't as good, so I'd have to watch the movie again. And I'm like, I do not want to waste two more hours of my life on this stupid goddamn movie. So when he was like, I got it fixed, I was like, thank God I don't have to jump out a window. Well, yeah, the the episode, the Hard Target episode, it had problems. We've had a lot of problems recently with episodes. Fucking Death Wish, the entire audio file got corrupted. Yep. So now that one had to release with really... With the camera audio. Oh, with camera onboards. And you onboards. can hear how echoey our apartment is at that point. And I was listening to him edit it, and I was like, Ooh, buddy, <laughs> this is gonna suck a little. I'm kids. I'm trying so hard to fix all these little problems, but I'm realizing how difficult it is to produce something and be in it. Yeah. With no additional help. And we're trying to, because I'm not sure how to do all this stuff. Eventually, you're going to teach me how to do this. But I'm not as good at this part of it. I'm better in front of the camera talking about it or editing photos. I'm not... I'm not so good with video and voice stuff, so yeah, he's on his own for that. This, this stuff is all my my wheelhouse, and it's it's very it's a lot to always like yeah. try and make sure you're paying attention to everything. And sometimes I just fuck up, or the camera fucks up. We'll have a memory card issue, or the the audio gets corrupted afterwards, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I'm trying to do everything I can. To upgrade our equipment to where we won't have to worry about certain things. That's one of the reasons for the live edit. The idea there is to, if I'm editing it as we're going, I don't have to worry about it in post. Yeah. It'll also... it's a lot to do, have both cameras simultaneously and then swap. That's what takes you the most time. Yes. And it also... Um, this way I won't have to edit the video as much. I can mm. maybe cut out some dead spots, things like that. It also provides a backup of the audio because I'm recording the audio in Adobe Audition while at the same time it's recording to the live edit. Yeah. So we have a backup of the audio in some form. And we're going to have to hit record on the cameras so we have a backup of the backup. Yes. um, I'm going to... We didn't do it on this one. I probably should have, but... Maybe on the next one, I'm going to probably also hit record on the cameras so that we have a duplicate of the video in case anything happens. Guys, it takes a lot of hard drive space. I bought him a four terabyte hard drive for Christmas. Five. Five terabyte hard drive for Christmas. I was so proud. I was like, it's going to last the year. It's May. It's May, and I'm, yeah. I'm concerned that it's almost full. The, uh, yeah, it, I'm constantly fighting with hard drive space and this stuff takes a lot especially since um the generally you want to shoot in higher resolution so the video looks better and it can always be exported smaller Mm. um another plus of the live edit thing is that it it live edits in 1080 yeah so it's even though the cameras are set to 4k resolution the out, it's outputting 1080, so it's not going to take up as much space. Yeah. 
And let me tell you, 4K takes up a lot of fucking space. Oh my god. It kills me. Yeah. But there's nothing I can do. Like, that's just how it is. And until there's a way to record 4K and it doesn't take up as big of files, mm. like ah. the files aren't as big, then... I'm very glad I'm into video. Uh, I'm into photography because I've had the same four terabyte and it's not yeah, even ten percent full. She gets the easy way out. Suck it. <laughs> on that note. On that note, we bring this video to an end. <laughs> um, if you want to chat with us, if you want to. Um, Give us some movie recommendations, coffee recommendations. Um, if you want to check out our film collection, see some behind-the-scenes stuff, um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. Um, if you'd like to chat with Leah a little bit, um, you can find her on our Discord, also at Grindhouse Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. <laughs> um, Come on, baby. Maybe we should just do one today. <laughs> All this stuff with the live edit has me fucked He's up flustered. beyond belief. Uh, I'm trying to keep so much in my head. <laughs> um, listen to us. Give us five-star ratings on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. Um, if you're listening to the podcast... And you'd like a more visual experience if you want to see how badly I fucked up this live <laughs> edit. <laughs> you can check us out, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can get every single episode in its entirety with video. Um, if you want to show this show some support, um, you can find all that information down in the show notes. Um, until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah, waiting for him to press the button so you can see me. Thank you for listening, and keep watching. Bye! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.